you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast wishes you were cooler. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I think you're plenty cool. Listen. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. I'd imagine there's a few people that heard that and felt that it was aimed at them appropriately. Right. You couldn't be talking about us, though. The Jacket Bros are coming strong today. Jacket Bros are back. Cool dads. Jack Bros. You guys are total Jack Bros. That's the way I look at it. That's a good nickname. I don't want it, the clothing thing to become a like a day-by-day um, insurrection because I just want to wear this sometimes just because I don't want to wear other stuff. When Levi comes out, though, there's a different Cecil energy. We've talked about this. You got the... When faded denim Levi comes out, look out. Rock and roll is in the building. Yeah, but you've issued the warning for that. Um, I want to say, before we get into everything, um, including a little fly on the wall in NFL facilities here in the offseason, some news. I declare vengeance. Mm. And it's been a while. On late week news dumps in the offseason. How dare you, Arizona Cardinals, on so many levels, um, release DeAndre Hopkins after we complete taping Thursday and just let us stew on our own mess Thursday afternoon, all through Friday, through a holiday weekend? Are you kidding me? Vengeance declared. You do it on Monday morning, 9 a.m. East Coast time. Yeah, it's uh, it's they're not understanding how media works. Um, I I know that personally, uh, I'm with you on this on the vengeance streak. We found out as we you know just after we wrapped our show on Thursday, and it's one of these situations where I was stuck in like a thicket of traffic, and I thought there's a world here we're gonna say this is such big news that you know circle the wagons, go back, 
get back on screen yard. You were worried about that text. Yeah, coming. absolutely. Yeah. Just like they, we're, this could bubble into more work. It's at like this the time. guys that did the Roquan Smith emergency uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, this could be a situation. Well, it's the off season and um, I don't like stewing in my own juices, but sometimes it's, it's good for the juices. Season. Yeah. Stew, stewing your own juice. Somehow even grosser. But uh, so just be mindful of that. Um, NFL transaction wire. Uh, we're all in this together, ultimately, um, and we don't like getting scooped. Oh, it's unrewarding. I, I actually conducted uh, multiple podcasts that I wasn't recording, but I just had to like get the juices out. Get it know? out. You just talk DeAndre Hopkins by myself. Ring out the underpants. In my garage. That, that's Good. not where the... You live ah! a strange and lonely life, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we are going to get into all that uh, because that is, timing aside, a very nice morsel of information and speculation um, to get into around a, suddenly a number one wide receiver. Is he? Kind of. Maybe. Uh, suddenly hitting the market. Um, but first, yes, we're going to get to that and everything else in the news. Shotgun. Murray out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Six seconds. Murray heaves it downfield. No, the Hail Mary uh, from Kyler Murray. What a play by Murray uh, to DeAndre Hopkins to beat the Bills uh, in happier times for Arizona. Uh, the Bills, by the way, who probably took notice of that um, as they formulate how to uh, handle their wide receiver room in the next uh, days and weeks. Uh, but yes, the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins are no more because um, – the official release came down on Friday with a team announcement. His future had been in question since the end of 2022. Um, he had a nearly $31 million cap hit, the most among any wide receivers in the NFL, seventh highest overall. And the Cardinals say, we're going to eat it. We're going to eat the pain. And you could, Greg, you could follow, and we're going to talk about teams that make sense, but you could follow again the path of what Arizona's doing this mm. year, which is we could try to figure out something to spread this out or, or make a deal that makes sense and allows us more financial flexibility, but we're not trying to really win this year. So we're going to swallow the pain, move on. And uh, for a guy in Hopkins who arrived with so much fa fanfare uh, three seasons ago and when the Cardinals pilfered the Texans and, and that trade once upon a time uh, for him now to go out the door uh, for nothing in return and nary a playoff win, it feels a little Ooh. empty at the end. Yeah, the entire Kyler Murray era, which DeAndre Hopkins was such a big part, feels a, a little empty. That one playoff appearance, we were at them getting blown out. Murray Magic, which we just heard, was was kind of the highlight uh, of this era. And them taking the pain now really surprised me because they have $21 million in dead cap money uh, with DeAndre Hopkins' release. And if they had waited till June 1st, it is a rare time where they would have had to wait because they already used their first two... Uh, pre-June 1st designations, you only get two that you can just use uh, before it's actually June 1st. But they said, if this guy's got to keep going on podcasts and basically talking about like he wants to get out of here, what are we doing here? He doesn't have subtweeting our quarterback and right. all that. Maybe we'll just throw it out there at the end or the beginning of a holiday week and the transaction isn't official, even as we're taping this. 
which is just shy of uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. It should be official then. It won't be official till the very end of the weekend. So if some team wanted to step up and actually trade for him in between, they could, but I think they were confident that wasn't going to happen. Doesn't seem like that is going to happen. Nobody wants DeAndre Hopkins at that price, and so they just, like, you're right, make as strong a statement as they have so far that they're essentially not trying to win this year. Yeah, it's a full-on rebuild, and I think that was clear prior to this move because DeAndre Hopkins hung out on that roster and it just didn't make a lot of sense. And yes, I think his own words um, hastened the process here. And it also tells me that, you know, we've seen this before. There there wasn't intent. There are teams interested. We know that and we'll get into it. But there was not intense interest in taking on his salary. I mean, it's not that the Cardinals didn't try to trade him, but they couldn't move. They couldn't make it happen. Um, it doesn't look great for them. But I think teams knew that ultimately Arizona at some point would have to hit the ejector seat button and they'd have a chance to get DeAndre Hopkins in the open market. And this is a learning lesson for all of us because it happens a lot in this league where a decorated veteran uh, is on the trade block and we do, I remember us doing an episode a couple months ago. We're like, all right, what would he fetch? Oh yeah, late first round pick maybe. And then things play out and you see the market isn't what you expect. And yeah, financially, there's a reason for that. There is a PED suspension. That's a reason for that. You talk to certain people that follow the game closely, um, even though somebody like J.J. Watt comes out and says, this guy still has the best hands in the league. There are some deeper under the hood numbers that reflect he's not as good in man to man anymore. He doesn't maybe have the speed he used to have. So you factor all those things together and the trade value we expected him to have isn't there. That said, Greg, however... I think it is fair to give this Arizona regime some heat because there had to be a better way to play this if you were going forward without Hopkins, whether it was the trade deadline last year or figuring out something before this happened. And they just didn't do it. And I just think, once again, I think when you make the list of what organizations feel like it's a little loose at the steering wheel. The Cardinals are that team to me right well, now. Well, Hopkins talking about how he wanted stable front office management at his next place got me thinking of like, Oh, yeah. He went through the Bill O'Brien, Jackie Easterby mess in Houston and then went to the Steve Keim debacle in Arizona. Is that, you know, I guess he was working for Fox Sports. So people have seen Steve Keim, Steve Keim, but he disappeared for a little while uh, in, in during that season. They they weren't run well. He was suspended, so they couldn't really trade him during last season. And I think what's key is when he returned, he wasn't the same player. He averaged 11.2 yards per catch that tied for the lowest in his career. He's not as explosive. I think he can still be a number two. Uh, and I think the Cardinals this offseason with their new GM, Monty Austin for probably did blow it in some way because at least according to our insiders, trade talks were heating up previously. And basically if they got any trade offer and they didn't, execute that trade before the draft, they messed up because something would have been better than nothing. Maybe it was just a fourth round pick or something like that. Maybe Hopkins' side made it seem like we're not going to renegotiate unless we get released. And so there might be more to the story and the Cardinals' hands were tied. I do think that the new front office did a nice job in the draft, basically lining up for the future. Um, But to your point, like if it was clear that you're not going to get that first round pick or a second round pick for this player, why not hold out in a way to get literally anything you can. And there were teams interested. I mean, I think that his financials made him a tough trade 
for 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 the the team that we, on the receiving end. Bills also. and Chiefs have been the they're the teams two that and are the, reported. But the Bills and Chiefs, I think this probably got in the way. I know that the cap means literally nothing anymore. It doesn't really matter financially on any level. But if you go to over the cap, they are the second and third least amount of money to have to spend right now. So I think like his what his contract would have demanded would have required a lot of dancing around that and figuring that out. Um, yes, and Burt Breer of Sports Illustrated um, wrote today that Hopkins interest in Hopkins is quote very tepid uh, from teams and that he may have to choose between quote taking the bag and chasing a ring and also Bert um, wrote that the Odell Beckham signing by Baltimore which raised a lot of eyebrows for how much Beckham got considering his uh, recent injury history and having not played last year um, that spooked uh, other teams from wanting to be involved mm. with Hopkins here. So, you know, an anonymous executive also wrote, uh, told Breer, he can't run anymore. So there are teams that are wary of getting into business with a guy in the wrong side. I think it's worth the gamble. I think the Bills, I, it makes so much sense to give Hopkins uh, some run here. He doesn't have to be the number one guy if, with Diggs there as long as you keep Diggs ha- happy. Mahomes obviously is going to make any wide receiver better and squeeze everything out of him. It makes a lot of sense for him on a lot of teams, but those two teams, I'd still be surprised if it's not one Apparently, of them. Apparently what's happening a little bit in an arms race type scenario is that Buffalo wants him, there's interest, and the Chiefs want him, but they definitely don't want the other team to get him. They're just mostly interested that the, mm. chi- the Chiefs don't want the Bills getting him, the Bills don't want the Chiefs getting him, and the Chiefs have all, there's reporting that inside the building they view Kadarius Toney as a fairly legitimate number one if they don't get him. I mean... Kadarius Tony's never been healthy. Kadarius Tony's never been productive. That is quite a projection. Yeah. Any any other roster it by the way? Sounds like a smoke screen a little bit. I love Tony, by the way. I've been talking up Tony since he got drafted. I love him, but that it's it's a little much. Any other roster that you looked at Valdez Scantling, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and Rasheed Rice as your top four, you would be killing them for like, why aren't you giving Patrick Mahomes more help? I know they have Kelsey. You have a great, a very good offensive line, maybe great, and you have Andy Reid. So I'm not personally worried, but they do have a major need, and I think the Bills have a need too. I mean, he would fit in great as a number two. Complicating factors, though, is that uh, I, I want to call him a vixen, but uh, men can't be vixen. What do we hmm. call St. Omni? Ominous. I mean, um, Saint Ominous. Uh, <laughs> it's the it's the agent who's not really an agent that the NFL's been telling. Uh, Mysterious. Dashing. Don't, don't dashing. I mean, I want a more uh, foreboding. Yeah, f- a man biscuit. Man biscuit. <laughs> we don't right, know what he, we, what he looks. We like. found it. Okay. I mean, he could yeah. look like me. I. W- well, I mean, maybe I am a man biscuit. You're a little man biscuit. Uh, I, I love a little biscuit. snack on you. What's better than a biscuit? I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's up with the St. Omni thing, though. He's, so he doesn't have a real agent. Teams, according to Pro Football Talk, um, are anxious or, or worried about emailing Hopkins' representatives. Well, there's Saint, an update here. St. Omni's involved. It's very strange. Just before the show. Um, oh, he's hired one. DeAndre Hopkins hired agent Kelton Crenshaw of Clutch Sports. Okay. Clutch. Clutch with a K. Clutch with a C for you for digging up that little nug. Sure. Timely. Well, we don't want to get banged again like we did last show. Well, what's up Big with time. why do they who what I want to know what St. Omni's doing behind the scenes though. Mark with a C. Don't ask questions. Because he's it's not like he's not getting it done. He got he helped get Roquan Smith's deal done. He helped get Laramie Tunsil, uh, one of the highest paid players in the NFL done. So it's, there's something that St. Omni is doing that's really speaking to the people. I mean, he's also given himself a great name. Um, in other news. <laughs> 
Also something I dropped Thursday after our show. The Athletics' Tashawn Reed reported that Jimmy Garoppolo, recently signed quarterback of the Raiders, underwent foot surgery after signing with the team. He's expected to miss. Yes, this is the same Garoppolo who is always hurt. Always, when he's on the field, put him in a good situation. He's a performer. When he's hurt, he can't help you. And he's always hurt. And he's out for OTAs. Reed reported that Jimmy G's recovery timeline is unknown. That there's a sense that the team is confident he'll be ready to play for the start of the regular season. Jeez. But we don't know. They don't know. And then uh, your boy, Greggy, your old boss, Florio, did some dingy, digging, got his hands on that contract, and uh, reported, and a good job by PFT here, uh, that Garoppolo can be released without penalty by the Raiders this summer because of that foot injury. So if it's a situation in the where it's not progressing, they can just bail entirely out of the Garoppolo situation. Feels like kind of a disaster potentially for the Raiders here. Yeah, well, that's so that the, the thing they did business-wise, which you just mentioned, was this addendum G inside the contract that created all this flexibility. Triple G. Yeah, sure. Uh, like so, it's a disaster in waiting. They Jarrett Stidham walked out the door, had a one great game and then one not so great game last year. Brian Hoyer is your backup quarterback. He's 37 years old. And you have a rookie, Aiden O'Connell, is the only other quarterback on the roster right now. Carson Wentz. Well, and so actually, uh, young Turner, Scott Turner, is their pass game coordinator. So that either says, no, I'm going to tell everyone definitely don't get Carson Wentz, or I've at least worked with him before. Mm. Or, uh, you know, there is a partial owner there. Well, that's the other certain guy. guy Tom Brady. Now, the rules of the NFL are that uh, you can't be a partial owner and also be a player unless it's approved by the other 31 owners. And there's contractual. Why would anybody in the AFC West sign off on that? So I don't I don't (laughs) think that would fly if this thing is as official as they say. It's crazy, though, because the day Jimmy G was signed, you know, they did the press conference. If you guys remember, it was delayed a day. Right. And then it was delayed the next day. And it was all because of this addendum G. They, they, he was in the building. He got there. And they failed him on the physical. It's kind of a, That's got to be an awkward. It must have been an awkward 24 hours there. And they Very. were like, oh, it's no big deal. We're just crossing uh, T's, dot and I's, uh, nothing to worry about. Whereas there was totally something to worry about. He should have gotten that surgery right after the season. But I guess he was trying to avoid it happening. Remember, it was the same injury that why he missed. All that time. And his surgery timeline was weird the first time. Yeah, they said, oh, he might be able to return for the NFC title game or the Super Bowl. They they thought he might play in the Super Bowl. I think that's what banged him. They thought if we have a chance for him to play in the Super Bowl, he would. But now. So you were going to bench Brock Purdy on a heater for the guy with the bet. I don't know. Let's stick a pin in uh, all that talk. It's going to come up a little bit later. Finally, in the news, uh, John Gruden. Greggy, do you remember John Gruden? One of the central figures, I would say, of this podcast for its first seven years as a broadcaster in a big spot. Mm-hmm. A lot of different opinions on uh, Gruden as a broadcaster. We talked about it a lot. And then, of course, uh, as the richest coach in NFL history at the time for the Raiders. Hard Knocks star as well. So, yeah, his, his DNA is everywhere on this show. But... Uh, he also kind of got himself run out of the league. I like uh, me bringing him up as if the, the audience has no idea who John Gruden is. Like, <laughs> you never know. People probably know. Uh, Gruden got run out of the league uh, during in the middle of his tenure as head coach of the Raiders after he came out of retirement. 
Uh, there are the Raiders again um, because of some emails that surfaced uh, that had some, you know, inappropriate language. Uh, we can say he's a racist. Yeah, it was it was it's racist language. Thing. I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm not trying to pussyfoot around it, but it was whatever it was. It was enough to get him fired, like right before they played a game in the middle of the season. So um, Gruden has been laying low for a couple of years. No Corona commercials. You notice that went away as well. Makes yeah, sense. but sponsorship usually follows when. Sure, there like was probably a, a board meeting uh, for the Corona Beer Company. I don't think it was like, a long one. I think they did a vote. It was like seven five, and they're like, "All right, we got to get rid of them." Be gone. Uh, <laughs> kudos to the to uh, the lady uh, in the corner who was like, "What do you guys think about replacing him with uh, Snoop Dogg and Andy Samberg?" They're like, "Actually, that'd be great." <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, I love Snoop, but Snoop not like a Sterling kid. record either. Like when you look at like his past, so that's true. They they like dancing with the devil a little bit. That's accurate. But you put Sandberg. I mean, I love Snoop. We're, we're right across yeah. from um, his clothing store. He's actually got two clothing stores in the same mini mall in which I get Jamaican have food you, once a week. Have you shopped there? I never shopped there. Is it a clothing store or does it sell those dolls? Uh, the um, It's clothing. Pop figures. Now I've walked by it enough. Uh, it's clothing. But there's pop figures in there because I think that's what the line is for. Really? There's lines outside the building, yeah. Well, when I when I looked in, I just it's saw like a, they're figurines. They're like collectible figurines. They're called pop figures. figures. Okay. Really? I mean, I mostly saw. We'll do some digging on you know one. sneakers, some you know shirts, uh, sweatshirts, whatnot. I've not gone in, but I do appreciate they put the sound system with speakers outside. Nice. Outside the the the. the the shop and it gives that a hell of a career. That's a good, good vibe to the whole uh, mini mall. Can I just ask, sorry, you see people are lining up for, for dolls, for figures. What kind of, what is the, they are, it's the a brand is Funko. Is they're pop figures. My sons have some, they're, they're like 10, $20 yeah. and there's specialty ones that are even more valuable. They're collectible items. Okay. And they're kind of like, think, uh, cabbage patch kids and a new generation where people, I always thought they keep were them in the box the and the whole drop. thing. Okay. No, no, I no, could no. be wrong. I think you might But there's right. like pictures and photos. All right. Let's get back. Well, they look pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Gruden has come out of uh, hiding, uh, and the Saints are responsible for it. They bring in Gruden to help Derek Carr, his former quarterback, uh, during his Raiders run, and the offensive coaching staff under Dennis Allen. Nola reported this on Friday. So uh, Carr and Gruden, Mark, have a connection there, and I, I would imagine Gruden is uh, wants to be back in the mix in some way, and this would be a first step toward that. Yeah, I find it. I mean, I, I get why it's happening from a football angle. Um, you know, it's been a while since we've seen John Gruden. Uh, but it, it, I find it interesting that a year ago, uh, the Saints offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, uh, kind of shrugged off wanting to do larger duties. And now he's bringing in a, in a consultant to teach someone essentially his offense. It's not that the, the offense that Gruden teaches is not vastly different from what the Saints do. Um, but I guess if it's any, anything you can do to make Derek Carr feel a little more comfortable to, to surround him with, um, you know, a coach that he knows, I, I always I find it also interesting because I spent most of the Carr Raiders Gruden tenure not really believing that Gruden was all in on Derek Carr. True. I think it's just uh, Dennis Allen doing a solid yeah. for a guy who reportedly wants to get back into the league. And this is a little bit of a trial balloon. How much blowback do we get? I, I, I asked a little bit. Just I'm curious if the Saints would hire him. It doesn't sound like they're hiring him necessarily, but it's just someone who Gruden who clearly wants back in. And this is some uh, a friend of his giving him a solid. I mean, Greg Williams got back in the league 
pretty quickly. Very different circumstances. Yeah. But just, it's just saying it's an old boys network where nothing would surprise me when it comes no, to Gruden. The NFL might the NFL might it exert whatever power they have on not wanting John Gruden into the league, though. John Gruden versus Roger Goodell and the NFL. Uh, was a uh, bubbling legal battle. I think it might still be going on in the Nevada courts. Yeah, and just by way of uh, backstory, Gruden made the the very like kind of boomer dad mistake of just writing freely in an email, a company email connected to uh, former Washington general manager Bruce Allen. Uh, and in the emails, there's uses of misogynistic, racist, anti-LGBTQ language, um, complaining about the league hiring women as referees, teams drafting gay players, players protesting the national anthem. It was just like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> Why are you sending it from his like, yeah. from like John Gruden at Raiders.com to Bruce Allen at Washington.com? Come on, guys. Washington.com. And, and they, I believe they kind of, uh, they had a falling out, Bruce Allen and John Gruden, because Allen got buried as part of all this. And, Right, and that only came to it wasn't an investigation of Gruden even, which is, I think, Gruden led to some legal action. It was an investigation of Washington's team that uncovered Gruden's comments that then were leaked or got out there, and away we go. Anyway, that's what's happening in the news. Let's take a break and uh, fly in the wall time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, God. How annoying. Flies. Annoying. Yeah, well, they are. All right. Welcome back. Um, Good fly talk. I'm, I'm struggling to get rid of some flies in in the new uh, the new house. Tough sitch. It's ant season too, where I live. Once you, you know the 
the weather springtime hits, they start migrating in the house, and you just can't get rid of those. What do you have, like jars of like open jam sitting around? I got two young children. Well, that'll do it. And not now a dog, but maybe the dog can help. I don't. I don't. Dogs train them to like just lap up ants. Maybe it'll you know develop a taste for them. Feels like anti-dog behavior. Yeah, probably. Um, fly on the wall. So there are things that we know in our league um, that are reported, or that teams and players, or players and coaches, and front office um, people will publicly state. And then there are the real conversations that are happening behind closed doors at the team facility. And uh, this segment is our way of kind of giving you a little bit more um, information or speculation on what those conversations might be. Uh, and then we discuss. So that, that's that's the segment. That's how you say I want to see you start this thing. And I would like to actually defer to you. I'm going to defer to you, Greg, to start. But I think this. no I, I one like is, that too. is quite sure of the, the tone and how we're totally doing this, although we've done it in the past. Hey, it's May 30th. It's so just have some fun with it. I... I'm a fly on the wall. Those beady eyes. Don't swat at me. In Green Bay. Um, right near Lambeau Field. Pretty special how, you know, the practice facility right next to the field, right next to the stadium. It's all one. It's just a small town. It's good. It's, it's a really unique thing about America. The, the NFL. I'm a fly in, in Wisconsin, and I'm listening to what Matt LaFleur is talking about when it comes to Jordan Love and all of his young weapons. And I'm curious if this fly is is really picking up on the anxiety in Matt LaFleur's hmm. voice. I, I don't know. I want to be a fly there to find out how confident he really is in this young quarterback, how confident he is in himself. Famously called the, you know, the young bearded boy uh, mm-hmm. by Keith Hansis. This is when we find out boy, if he's really a man as a coach. There's no Aaron Rodgers. There's a, a quarterback who's been as up and down when he's played in the preseason and little regular season action as any quarterback possible. Tons of great plays, tons of head-scratching plays. But it's not Jordan Love surrounded by a, a team of veterans to help pick him up. It's surrounded by the youngest skill position talent uh, especially at receiver in the entire league. They're going to be playing Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, who are second-year players, Jaden Reed, uh, a rookie, and then at tight end, two more rookies, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft. And so they've been on the field now for just a couple weeks. We're just starting OTAs. And as a fly on the wall, I would just love to hear the real talk between LaFleur and his coaching staff of where he really thinks Jordan Love is right now and where he really thinks these wide receivers are right now. Because I think you can find out a lot early and whether he's that confident. And frankly, just by the tone of his voice, because my fly is particularly smart, um, like how much self-confidence he really has that he's going to show the league that he's the guy who's been leading these 13-win seasons. Not I, old I like this. This is good fly work. Um I would say that I think like you you have a star potentially in Christian Watson and, and Dobbs showed a lot too, uh, and I think if you're Lafleur, you're maybe walking around with a little bit more of a strut and a little more confidence mm. because you ultimately won this battle with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was like Aaron Rodgers sort of controlling the coaching staff as, he, as he's wont to do, and you know the, all this offseason drama year after year. It's a it's I think if you're a a, a, a fair minded Packers fan, you'd say we're resetting. 
Um, we don't know what Jordan Love is. There isn't actually high expectations of Jordan Love at this point. We understand that he's got a young offense around him. It almost, if anything, buys Matt LaFleur time where the narrative before was like, yeah, you can win in the regular season, but at, come every January, you get axed and you're the coach that can't seem to win these playoff games. And uh, now it's like, we know that you're talented. You're a good coach. You're, it's your job to show what you can do in a young quarterback. And I don't think there's an expectation has to happen starting in week one. Yeah, I I don't know if I ever saw it as a Rodgers v. LaFleur like battle where it's more like he outlasted Rodgers and then the circumstances of the love drafting have now presented the situation and him as a first round pick. And I think what it I listen, he has a 712 winning percentage as a head coach, and that's great, even factoring in a losing record last year. But I think myself, certainly Keith Hansis. Uh, in the garage there in Culver City with their bearded boy. That was comment. three years ago, but um, you know, even though the record's great and they've won a couple, they won a couple playoff games. You know, never got over the hump, but it's always been a little bit like okay. But like, is Matt Lafleur like you can talk him up because of his record as a top coach? But what's he really about? Like, is right. this guy legit? And that's why this year it's a great kind of subplot in the NFC. And I think I think it's going to buy him two years. Uh, because even if I think Jordan Love doesn't play well, or let's say he like is terrible, let's say he has a really bad year, which is within the range of outcomes, I don't think that would get Lafleur canned. I would think he no. would get another chance next year, whether it was year two with Love as starter or if they went in a different direction. But at the same time, I think certainly he could be strutting around with confidence, but also there's probably a little part of him that's like, all right, and spotlight's going to really on me now. Is uh, for all the frustrations that Aaron Rodgers became kind of bigger than the team, he took all of the kind of spotlight and, for better or worse, the good and the bad that came with that. And now it's going to be right on the head coach to find a way to make this young quarterback play at a high level. Plus, it's, it's the off season. It's beard and body time for Lafleur and hair, and he got and a eyebrows. Lot of, he got a lot of shots from Rodgers, compliments really, but a lot of mentions of how tight. The eyebrows, the beard, all of it uh, were. But the the love contract is partly why I want to be there and hear what they're really saying, because I was surprised. It did to me. People say, oh, it was a good deal for the Packers. It was good business, blah, blah, blah. Like it did show to me a lack of total confidence in Jordan Love, which is fine. They, I guess it makes sense. They're not totally confident in him. But I was a little surprised that they're not going into this new era with Jordan Love. Uh, with two feet in, it's kind of one one foot in. And to your point, he could stink this year. Like they can get out of it after this year. So how confident is he really? And how how confident with all these young players around him? That I, I find them work? finally intriguing. Well, because since 1992, every coach has had Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, and now we're like in totally uncharted <laughs> this a, territory. What's this funny? Yeah. This is a theme with Mark. He's yeah. only intrigued by great teams once they stink. Right. Like the Rams. Once the star is gone, typically, is it's, when Mark It's an opposite bandwagon move. So I listened. Reverse bandwagon. I was curious what the fly segment really was, so I actually was Googling it. Yes. And I, thought, I say the same exact thing? <laughs> and, well, similar-ish, yeah. And, and first of all, we both found that there's some podcast called Fly on the Wall. With Carvey and Spade that talk old SNL. So it stuff, was getting yeah. in the way of our Google search. A little but bit I, of an I issue, found the yeah. first time we ever did this. <laughs> and we were talking about McVeigh as maybe the next Walsh. And uh, and Mark said, well, let's see when he has, you know. Yeah, more like Brandon Walsh. So, something happened to him. Like, that is when I'll be interested. And you were right. You're now more interested in the Rams now that they've struggled. Yeah. I, I, I believe in you know, what I've said in the past. It will come true. 
Um, go ahead, Mark. You got. Let's, let's yeah. head to another facility. I am. I am gonna fly in a in an emptied out office in uh, outside of Denver, Colorado, mm. and it's the it, you know the fly is thinking you know no one's here to swat me away. Um, I'm also not sure as a fly that I actually can hear the way that humans do, which puts a bit of a log jab into the concept of the segment. But we're gonna forge on there. But into the doorway. Comes Would it help Sean. you if I told you you can hear? I can great, hear. Great, actually, well, great hearing. Otherwise, segment over. But yeah. like, into the doorway yeah. comes Broncos head coach Sean Payton, and he just comes into the middle of the room, and he just starts giggling, because this was Russell Wilson's little private office from a year ago, where he'd go up and, unlike all the rest of the players on the roster, have his little meetings and phone calls and his special little time in his little corner office. Mm-hmm. Out. He gone. Because he now Sean Payton has basically made it very clear that these the Russell Wilson experience is going to be reined in hardcore. Mm. Uh, no more private office. No more performance team getting special access to the building and, you know, waving feathers at Russell Wilson's hair and flexing his muscles, uh, he now has to prove that he actually can play football in this new offense. And while there is a lot of belief that he'll be at least serviceable because it's Sean Payton's offense, uh, I just think that where Nathaniel Hackett had no choice but to endure Russell Wilson's horrible bottom five play all season that I want to know as a fly. I'm going to start to fly out of this little office when Sean Payton walks out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to track him quietly so that I don't draw too much attention or get swatted and listen to little conversations between him and General George Patton, Payton, mm-hmm. the general manager, mm-hmm. and just what in general the agreement is. Because if Russell Wilson... Do, we think that pay- do you think they've spoken yet, Patton and... Uh- <laughs> I think they're on the same Peyton. page about something because Peyton is lucky to have a job after right, I think, trading those picks away. I think Peyton is on this. George Peyton is on the same page as Sean Peyton in the same way. Like Tom on succession was on the same page as uh, what's his name? Greg. Gre- no, Greg. Dieg? No, no. Uh, oh, Matson. Matson. Uh, He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yes, sir. Anything you gotcha. want, sir. I'm bendable, sir. I will get the players that you need. Subservient. Get rid of. I, I uh, totally Russell. agree with that. I don't think Peyton is sitting in the power seat. He's lucky to be there at this point. It was a terrible mistake. Patton. Well, they're both Peyton, so that's a Peyton. problem for both of us. I thought oh, we decided for this show's purpose we were just going to call him General Patton, and it's even more yeah. important now that then Sean Payton is head world, coach. Peyton, I think, yeah. sits in the power seat. Patton is lucky to be yes. in the building. And, but I think that there must be, and I just want to – this is, to me, quietly I, – I, I lauded the media a couple weeks ago for not starting to dive into billions of think pieces about Russell Wilson, the rebuilt – you know, bounce back quarterback. And I just want to know what the actual verbal agreement is that if Russell Wilson comes out through all of camp and flatlines and then in lays, you know, multiple eggs in a row in the regular season, how quickly, how soon do we see Jared Stidham, who they paid a lot of money to? Halloween. I think he gets about six weeks or so. I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's like you, you need to be, you need to have been given power to move on from this. Can I throw Unlimited. out, can I throw out, um, because we're heading towards a new season, and that was tremendously confusing at points, and not not your fault. It was because of the the last names. Right. Can I call um, a measure to order and get a vote, and it has to be unanimous to pass that on, on the for the purposes of this program moving forward, for the duration of the current general manager's stay with the Broncos. Yeah. That we now uh, call him Kevin Saunders. 
Wait, what's wrong with General Patton or General George? But I, I'll write that down. Kevin I'm just Saunders. saying. I'm okay, just saying. Like, just give him, that way he has. Fun. We will never confuse the Peyton Patton Peyton thing. Right. Yeah. And it, it like now he has a totally different name than the head coach, and it will. What just happened now will never happen again if he's Kevin Saunders, Kevin general Saunders. manager okay. of the Broncos. And it's he, even worse when you have to, to to write about both of them. We've had that before where it's a Smith and Smith and right. you have to put the first name back in over and over. And I, I stepped right into it. All right, Kevin Saunders it is from now on. And if you happen to have missed the May 30th episode of the Around the <laughs> it's, NFL it's gonna podcast, <laughs> it's going to be confusing. If you're friends with anyone that listens to yeah. the show, let them know. Um, so everything's covered. And it kind of reminds Kevin Saunders reminds me of Steve Sanders. Um, who's, you know, an all-time uh, mm-hmm. television character on Beverly Hills 90210. All right. And I mentioned Brandon Walsh earlier. So yeah. We're, everything's tied together. All right. Maybe, maybe we tweet that change out. I don't Eric, know. behind the glass, can you mis- make note of that, that the general manager of the Broncos on this show is Kevin Saunders? I, I think, uh, by the way, Russell Wilson, like, has no uh, excuses in a way. Like, this offensive line looks pretty good. They're quite deep at wide receiver, and he's got this amazing coach. But if you look at what's worked under Sean Payton, what he prizes, it's like kind of the opposite of what Russell Wilson is. It's it's closer to a Teddy Bridgewater type. I think that's why he liked Teddy Bridgewater. Te- Drew Brees is the Hall of Fame version of that, but it's like quick decision-making, out of your hand, fast, over the middle of the field, literally all the things that are the opposite of what Russell Wilson did well, even when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's problematic. Um, can we head back to the desert in Vegas? Sure, why not? You're a fly. Because listen, I'm just a fly. I don't know nothing from nothing. I have no agenda because I only live for like 30 days. Right. Is that true? That's it. It's about a month I got. Um, so when I tell you this, I'm not trying to further my own career or hurt someone in a way that will allow me to advance as, as a species or 30 days. It's about four weeks and I'm gone. So I was in this Raiders facility and um, there was, uh, it was a dark room and I'm just going to need your guys help with this. And I'm going to apologize uh, to your producer, Eric, um, ahead of time. Um, Cause I think this will give him a little work in uh, post-production. So apologies. Eric from the fly me. Um, so this man, uh, he was wearing kind of a hoodie, dark hair, about, you know, 40 something, maybe late forties. Uh, he was hunched over. This was, I should let you know, this was about late last week. Um, okay. And, uh, and this is just, again, I don't know. I don't know what any of this means, but here's a translation or here's a, um, just a transcription of what this figure was saying. And then he fumbled for, it's like a black rectangular device um, with like buttons on it or something. I don't know what. A calculator, an, an iPad device of some sort? or I don't know. It's like something he could talk into. Oh, a cell phone. A phone. A phone. Yeah, you're fly. Fly. I know. You just don't need a cell phone. Yeah. yeah, it was in his, um, it was in the compartment. There's like a compartment in the. The fly seems uh, so intelligent about some aspects of human life, and yet. In, it's in like the, the, he was wearing these. A pants pocket. Pants. A pants Thank pocket. you. Okay. Uh, and he <laughs> took out the, the phone from the pants, and then he's hitting the phone, and um, the first three digits that I could see were 617. 
I don't know if that's uh it's a Boston area. Boston area yeah. code. Uh and I pure, it seemed to have gone straight to voicemail and then this this guy left like a sobbing message. Mm-hmm. He was really emotional yeah. to some guy named uh Bill or, or William and he mentioned something about regrets and again, I'm just a fly. Actually Bill O'Brien sucks was said at one point and then a bunch of pleases and then um he put down the phone and then sobbed again uh, really at an emotionally high register alone in this room until like it seemed like a staffer came in and he very quickly kind of rubbed the his eyes and, and kind of walked out of the room with his head down so i don't know like all the specifics but someone was very upset about the state i i would imagine of this business whatever this business is i've been doing i've been digging while you've been talking Okay. Um, and uh, there's a couple candidates here. Okay. <laughs> but I did look up the age of head coach Josh McDaniels, who likes to wear the hoodie like his former friend Bill Belichick oh, in the Boston area. Connecting some dots. Uh, and so uh, he's 47, just turned 47 during the offseason. Got to be him. Got to be him. Um, yeah. You could see why he'd be very frustrated with what we talked about in the news segment with Jimmy G. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty common to have the Patriots on speed dial. The last time that Josh McDaniels ventured out as a head coach, uh, it was a one and done disaster scenario with the Rams actually as just as an OC last time he called plays outside of new England and that offense finished 32nd in points 31st overall. And uh, here he is in a situation potentially on a Raiders team that I felt even weeks ago was a floating ship in the darkness must, with no quarterback potentially. He must, um, and I have to get going. I have to lay some eggs and sure. the you, carcass you of a dead deer. Time, yeah. um, but he is entering his second year in Vegas. He's, his career record is 17 and 28. So we just talked about 712 for LaFleur. McDaniels is 378 um, as a coach and winning percentage. And now you have to be thinking that he is very nervous about mm. what's going on. Like that he is now tied to a team that might not have a quarterback and he's coming off a 11 loss season. And is McDaniels going to get out of this alive? Uh, and if Garoppolo is not available, like it feels like this is one of the grimmest situations, the side of Arizona on paper, their offense is intriguing. Total continuity on the offensive line, pretty good weapons for Garoppolo. The defense looks like a mess though. And then you look at this backup situation, it's you, it screams for someone else. And that's why I thought when you said it's a mid-40s guy in the Raiders facility mm. who wears a hoodie, I was thinking of a much taller, much uh, more handsome man who also you know happens to have the most Super Bowls in NFL history. I thought it was Tom Brady. Having regrets. I'm not familiar with who that is. Right. I know you're a yeah, fly. Yeah. Um, but Tom Brady, reportedly a partial owner uh, of the Raiders, potentially could have regrets about even doing that because this job uh, could be sitting for him uh, with his old buddy. But what this and, Tom Brady guy, why would he want to get involved with this particular team at this stage of his life? Well, why, why would this he many be issues? calling Bill Belichick? That, that's where it, I, I lost it, me and I realized I was going uh, the wrong way here. Um, well, he has a deep burning desire inside um, to overshadow Jimmy Garoppolo and try to support <laughs> his happiness at every turn. Yeah. And that alone would uh, make him want to do that. I don't think it, I mean. <laughs> I've talked about that a couple times on the show, Brady and, and McDaniels, but 
We don't actually think this is going to happen, right? Like now, I don't because of the whole ownership thing. None of it makes sense. Well, also, I why, didn't why, know the rules. If you're Tom Brady, though, what's attractive about coming back to play for a team that seems to be in total chaos? And and it's interesting with the parallel with Arizona. If this Garoppolo thing really goes sideways, and as, as we learn more through the summer, if they are indeed kind of shipwrecked without a quarterback here, wouldn't it make all the sense in the world then? to move Adams and they say, Oh, you can't make it work with the money. But just like the Cardinals are saying, we don't care. Yeah. We'll take all the pain. Yeah, but No, and, because Devonte Adams is great. Right. Why? But what do you, Why? I mean, if you're, if your season is basically cooked, if you don't have a quarterback, we all know that. And they obviously don't have the defense to save the day that could lead to another pivot. I'm just saying it kind of opens the door for a lot of different uh, avenues for this team to go. Hopefully. And listen, we, we don't want to overreact on May 30th, like just because of one Jimmy Garoppolo report out there. Like he could be fine for week one, but it's just a little bit ominous given his, his history. And if you're the head coach, you know, you are in a very vulnerable position right now. And let's just say in, in another world, they, cause I think one possible reality is that if they move on from Jimmy G initially, they could re-sign him at a different price. Um, that seems weird, but let's say there's a scenario where Brian Hoyer slash Aiden rookie man is your starting two-pack come September, Where what will Devontae Adams be saying by October? He already talked about the fact that he wasn't totally on board with the idea that they went and got Jimmy G. Maybe he knew about the foot stuff. Well, there you go. That, but either way, you're right. I mean, the the back seven on defense, like there's so much focus on the offense. I actually think the offense is a chance, if Jimmy G was healthy, to be a top 10 offense. I think that's their roadmap, that they would see – a top 10 offense and better on defense, but the back seven on defense, their linebacker and their secondary, like it's, it's a disaster. And, it, and you're right. It's funny because McDaniels held out so long and maybe he couldn't get it the right job or, but he passed up a lot of jobs and he was infamous try- Colts job. He yep. was trying to time it. And uh, a year and a half in, they don't look any better uh, than when John Gruden was there. They probably look worse. And supposedly Hunter Renfro might get traded. There's still this buzz out there that the Saints are interested. I don't I don't understand that. All right, let's take a break and then we'll visit three more facilities. Mm. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. I'm holding in my hand, by the way, um, a Funko Pop figurine delivered from one of our great maestros behind the glass, uh, Christy Stapleton. It's an Aaron Judge Funko Pop figure, I guess taken off somebody's desk. Wait, let me get get this right for you. You know, you really... uh... Got to check out this. The cameraman's getting feed. put to work. <laughs> the YouTube feed is really it's popping off today. And this is this figure is. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, that's it, Mark. So if you were I, curious, no, I've, I've seen those, and I think yeah. they're very attractive. It's a very nice, uh, very attractive. It's a nice hobbyist <laughs> addition to the hobbyist uh, collection. What is your? Where are you at as a collectible throughout your life? Guy? I mean, post childhood. Like, yeah, like what was yeah. your like Star Wars figurines, things like as that. As a child. Not as an adult. You have them in the that. boxes and no, I play. I, I you know I used to bury them in the yard and stuff, and that was part of the game. Like they have to go find their friend who's been buried underground. Mm. So I remember that one in the in the sand pit, and then you yeah. pour some water in there yeah. and it's freeze them in ice. I did have that yeah. Ellis Burke starting lineup figure uh, come with. I had a lot of starting. Yeah, my life for a while, but at this point, I think I'm wrestling out. figures. I had the almost the entire WWF collection along with a had steel those. cage. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. So you put King Kong Bundy versus Hulk Hogan to mimic, mm. I believe, WrestleMania too. In fact, sitting on my desk in our newsroom is a Ken O'Brien and Al Toon uh, starting line of figurines from 1989. I had lost, I lost all the football helmets, every one of my football figures, uh, sometime in 1989, and never found them again. So they they're just catching passes and <laughs> passing without any protection at all. Mm. Why are you Greg? looking at my laptop, Greg? I'm, well, I'm seeing, don't do that. I'm Why making, do you keep doing that lately? I'm, I'm making laptop. almost every It's show. just sitting there. I'm making sure I don't like take whatever. Well, it I already told you is. before the show. Yeah, which, but I'm doing. Quite Doesn't right. yeah, but that's also it's a violation a little bit of his space when you it look over. There. Str- it's just strange. It's off-putting. It's just right there. Would like, you want someone to do that asking. to you? I mean, if it's just my notes for the show, I'd be fine. Yeah. You don't know what's on there. Though. Yeah. Like, what if I'm doing something else over That's here? That's true. Uh, I was making sure that I didn't take, but I, I go ahead. I like to leave myself options of what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna leave the 49ers to the side, actually. Okay. I am curious what what they think about Trey Lance and their and Darnold in, in reality behind the scenes, and at the risk of uh, leaning too hard on the six one seven area code, my fly is flying up to Foxborough. Okay. And That's good. We got we're all over this uh, facility on and Patriot Way. It's looking. You know, it buzzes past the coaches, buzzes past uh, Bill O'Brien. Oh, like, what is Mac Jones doing there in the men's bathroom? Let's just keep going. Uh, let's go up to the ownership on the third floor. Uh, Robert Kraft and his son, Jonathan Kraft, talking. There's no microphones in there. There's nothing. Only a fly could find out. And and the crafts are worried because they know Belichick has it bugged, the whole building. Oh, uh, literally he has the building bugged. But they made a special ownership craft-only bunker uh, where they can get real. And um, this fly is peeping a conversation between these two men who believe they should get a little more credit for everything that's happened over the last 20-plus years and believe that the last three years have been embarrassing. And they especially Robert, because let's be real. Um, 
Robert is the the Logan Roy in this situation, mm. and Jonathan is uh, is Connor. I don't know why I'm I'm. Uh, That's fine. I don't. I made him Connor. That was maybe a little. That's harsh. a tough one. That was harsh. Uh, Robert's looking at his age. He's 81 years old. He's running out of time. Connor, who ran for president and got less than one percent of the vote. That guy. <laughs> Successful campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so at least make um, yeah. let's make him shiv. Let's make Jonathan shiv. It's some okay. some strengths and weaknesses. Uh, he he's looking at this Bill Belichick coaching record and saying like, okay, he's only uh, twenty plus away from breaking the all time record, but he doesn't care. He wants results now, and they're talking, I believe, about a situation this year where this team needs to be showing progress on offense needs to be competitive and have a winning record or that they want to be steadfast. I believe Robert Kraft is, is telling his son that before this season in the off season, the quiet of the off season, the fly is picking up that he wants his son to not let him off the hook when things get hard in January and he has to look Bill Belichick in the eye that he actually pulls the trigger and he goes in a new direction. If this team does not make the playoffs that he does the type of thing that Bill Belichick was famous for when he cut Drew Bledsoe or traded Drew Bledsoe and cut lawyer Malloy back in the day and shows uh, that, that bloodlust, that ruthlessness, unless they're a winning organization again this year. I mean, is there, cause we're, I agree with it. We've been talking about it. Like this feels like a pivotal year for Belichick and the, and the marriage between Belichick and Kraft, which is again, and it needs to be stated repeatedly, the most successful union of coach, and head coach, uh, coach and owner, in addition to coach and quarterback, ever, uh, the quarterback left. And ever since the quarterback left, the coach hasn't been quite as successful. And now there's growing tensions between the coach and the owner as an indirect result or a direct result. And it's just like, I don't know, like this almost feels still a little bit of a rush to, to get Belichick out the door unless you have somebody lined up that you absolutely adore and feel like is the guy that could give you another, like, 20 years? I think they do. Who? Gerard Mayo. I don't know if that's going to be right or wrong. We're going f- to fire think- Bill Belichick to take a chance at Gerard Mayo? I just think that's what they think. Well, the, so they yeah. they put know. in incredible effort to keep Mayo. Um, Kraft has talked up Mayo. Um, Kraft, I think, had the most pointed comments um, that, you know, subtext were anti-Bill Belichick comments about the way that Matt Patricia essentially was put into a terrible position last year. Didn't do a good job. Uh, not not a good job by Matt Patricia. But Kraft really went out to defend Matt Patricia, that he was an incredibly hard worker and did what he could in a terrible situation. And I don't know, you'd have to dig pretty hard to find comments that reach that level of annoyance with his own head coach. That said, like, Mayo aside or something like that, there's no one else in the building that fits the bill right now. And I don't know how, if you're going to move on from Bill Belichick, you better be right. Right. You I'm just not, better I'm not be saying right. this is not, I don't think any of this is a good idea. To me, Bill Belichick is still a top three defensive coach week to week. I mean, they were number one in DVOA with that unit last year somehow. Uh, I think they're, they have a chance to be one of the best defense in the league this year, which would make them very hard to fire. And they have a chance to surprise people. But I, I do think this is where Kraft is at. And it's also not crazy if you had four straight years of mediocrity. There's not many coaches that survive that no matter. But I guess are. my point is, and again, Gerard Mayo could be great, but 
before you go fire literally Bill Belichick, <laughs> how about we give Bill a true heir to Brady, like an actual difference maker at quarterback? Because I watched Cam Newton wasn't that guy, and Mac Jones has – ability and has some potential, but there's a reason why nobody had him above uh, the Dalton line when we did that exercise last week. So I don't think anybody sees Jones as a future star. Like, are you really going to, that's how this is going to end? Like maybe, but here's, here's the one problem. Like Bill Belichick is also the general manager and Bill Belichick made the decision to go get Mac Jones. And he's, he's also made a pretty trenchant year after year decision. I know they had that free agency splurge a couple off seasons ago, but it's typically been like a, a weapons light, attack. I mean, they're, they're wide receivers for a really long time and just been kind of like you, you're looking at that group and thinking, eh. And it's like this year's group is sort of like, all right, I don't look at this. If this is the year that Bill Belichick suddenly has to pull 12, 13 wins out of his butt to get to the playoffs. Yeah, but like if, if they go eight, and nine this year and Kraft decides year. to uh, pull the trigger and start over, you know, who's going to be thrilled about that? All the other teams Everyone. in the AFC East. Everybody, that, that I mean, the whole AFC. So, right. like, not not to say that you shouldn't do it, but it is. I think you shouldn't do it. I it wouldn't be a celebration. Clear, uh, right? it, it would be a celebration for these teams. Do you think that Bill Belichick would turn right around Al Pacino style and go get a job somewhere else? Oh, absolutely. Like, why not go back to like the Cleveland Browns where he started and say, "I'm gonna accept." He, he go he, ahead. He wants go ahead, Mark. A, no, he wants a good owner. Like, I don't think he would buy, buy into that ownership group, but. Like I mean, Bill Belichick would be like, "Are you kidding me? I'm going to go somewhere else. Not only am I going to get the coaching record somewhere else." I'm going to make sure that I spend the next half a decade sticking. Yeah, it to I'll the handpick Patriots my somehow. quarterback wherever, whenever it pops up that has a, a great young quarterback right. I'll, and a team, a roster that has some juice. I'll go out on my own terms. Well, it's Tom Brady part two. He's 30 wins away, by the way. So, Well, what if he wins 30 games this year? Oh, no. I, that would uh, be really impressive. They, there is like a playoffs one. This is why I'm annoyed by NFL. NFL. Uh, Coaching records and stuff like that. Got to count the playoff games. But look, I'm just a fly in the room. I'm not uh, agreeing with uh, what, what do you what's know going on here. I'm just passing along the information. Thank you for the info, Mark. You got another one? Uh, I am a fly related to uh, some of the other flies that have been. You know, we were it, flies. There's a long family tree here, and I I exist. Cousins, nephews. I exist for less than a month in Southern California, but um, right here, smack dab in the middle of my 28 day lifespan. I find myself uh, in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area. Um, nice spot a, for a fly. Yeah. I've attached myself to a human that is moving briskly down a hallway um, into a meeting room with a very good-looking uh, head coach. Uh, I, myself, the fly that I, the person I'm attached to also has an incredible head of hair. I mean, he's a handsome man also. So it's I'm with the, you all the way Head on coach, one. GM duo is attractive. And uh, they're sitting down. They say, look at, like, uh, I'm not sure where exactly we are with this team. We are, we've built a very, very young roster. Um, and uh, we've got some problems, though. And I think let's is just this, take it. I'm sorry. Is this the fly saying this? or The fly is hearing things like this. Okay, okay. And it's, you know, there's some muffled conversation. There's some sort of, like, tapping on the table because there's some indecision here. Because the roster that they're talking about just looks a little weird. And I keep hearing the name. Like, look, at we love Matthew Stafford, the person. Uh, we know that Aaron Donald is a, is one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Cooper Cup is wonderful too, but we we have to take a real look in the mirror and say, who are we now for this season, for next season, and how quickly would we move one, two, or three of these players or other additional pieces if we really wanted to embrace the concept of a true start over? Right now, we've got an extremely young roster um, attached to an aging 
old quarterback coming off a disastrous injury situation. Who are we and what are we? And the training camp starts in a month and then they go silent. This would be the year to take on some dead money. They are doing it in a way that NFL teams have almost never done it in the history of the sport. They have $74 million in dead money. So they're just eating it. We, we talked about the Cardinals eating that Hopkins salary. The Rams been eating it. They got 60 from Allen Robinson, Jalen Ramsey, and Leonard Floyd combined. So I don't think they would mind the financial pain that it would cost uh, to trade Donald or Stafford. Cup would make just no sense to me. So I'm putting him to the side a little bit. But, man, I think it'd be tough to get the a buy-in. I, th- I think it'd be tough to think like that right now. I don't think they want to think like that, and I don't think <sighs> – I think it'd be a little crazy to go into the season thinking like that. Maybe that's a week five conversation. Maybe it's a plan ahead. Well, let me ask you a question, like from another angle, like if the Rams, uh, first of all, I think they, a year from now, we're going to see the Rams very differently. I think we'll see them in a positive light, but you have Stetson Bennett who, you know, comes in with an interesting college career and why, why not get a look at Stetson Bennett sooner than later in games that matter. If you're a team that starts off one and three or something and you go into next year's draft class, which could potentially be explosive at quarterback and know that you do everything you can. If you're less sneaky, cause he'll do anything to get what he wants to get the number one quarterback with all the draft assets that mm. you could acquire by trading some of these guys. Stafford specifically would not cost much to move. And, I, and to me, would make the most sense of it if a team needed a quarterback. I think they want to compete this year. I think the only way we see Bennett is if Stafford gets hurt, which is certainly possible. Yeah. Um, I And I just looked it up because I was curious because there was a big hullabaloo, obviously, about Sean McVay, whether he was even going to return this year, and then he was on the fence, and then it actually really looked like it wasn't going to happen, and he would given his coaching staff permission to look for other jobs, and then all of a sudden it comes down that he is back. And I was like, well, is this just like a one-year thing, and this is going to be the way he is now? But looking back at his quotes at the time, uh, back in January, uh, he had said that he made a decision for years to come. So obviously it can change. Head coaches are fickle. But I'm working under the... Uh, idea that they're going to try to wring every last drop they can out of the Stafford Donald era here um, and see if they could do something similar maybe to what the Seahawks did this past year where it's like mm-hmm. they surprise some yep. people maybe win nine or ten games they're frisky or maybe they get into the playoffs and, and, and all that and then even if it doesn't work and Stafford goes down in week four or this or that happens yeah then you could start spinning the wheels in a different direction and then McVay and Snead can truly reboot the operation um, next year. So I think they, I think, and I think what we do, sometimes you kind of want to have a more clear idea of what these teams are doing, but the Rams seem like a team, they're kind of in the middle and they're operating that way. And that doesn't mean it's it's the wrong way to do it. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's a half measure. They should be going all in or all out. But they kind of make sense to me to be doing what they're doing, and and then they could pivot if they have to. I mean, I don't think NFL rebuilds now, if you're good, are a season long, and and that it projects as a potential one year rebuild. One good draft can really change organizations, you know. Um, like it, I like it. Uh, Okay, um, let me preface this by saying I'm a fly. Still. We got that last time. Uh, not like the turn of the phrase, uh, you know, unnoticed observer of a particular situation type of thing. I think you met my brother earlier. Yes, a rather dim uh, insect. He, uh, well, that's 
on tour. Maybe not on the scale of a flight. But he died of uh, natural causes. He was 25 days old. Um, I'm quite literally a fly on the wall. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to eat some poop. I'm going to touch a bunch of things I shouldn't, spread some disease. And, uh, and then I'll die again in a month. And I have no agenda, Greg. I know you. Lies never do. <laughs> uh, agents can't muzzle me, Greg. So I'll let you decode what was going on when I was buzzing around <laughs> Browns camp this week. Ooh. I went to Browns. You know, I like certain things. I have a particular taste for things. Fair. Yeah. Um, brown things. Anyway, there was this. Here's here's the situation. There was this this handsome guy. Kind of like a. Um, I think I'll call him like a mezzanine level. George Clooney. Okay. Uh, there, there's another guy there that was calling himself the Tasty Berry. I don't know. Mm. Uh, a silver-haired older gentleman, um, kind of prominent jaw, kind of like a Springsteenian jaw. Mm. Uh, kept kept referencing his 18-wheeler collection. <laughs> that was weird. Um, knowledge about like Springsteen and what a mezzanine level a even means for a fly. And uh, of course, Alex Van Pelt was also there. <laughs> anyway, they they were having an an, an amazing time. And in, in fact, Eric behind the glass, uh, good to see you again. Um, my uh, brother is quite fond of you. Um, I think I did get some audio of what was going on in this room with all these gentlemen. You hear that? Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. They were having an amazing time. Uh, drinks were flowing. They were throwing like popcorn in each other's mouths playfully. They did a couple of crank calls. Uh, that guy, the Clooney guy, kept saying something about the Jerky Boys being underrated. I didn't oh know God. any of that meant. Uh, but this was all happening while they were watching some endless highlight cut-up of Texans games. Mm. I'm guessing from like when my great, 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 great grandfather was alive. I'm thinking like 2018, 2019, um, some from 2020 I knew because there's nobody in the stands. Must have been the COVID era. Anyway, they were loving these highlights and seemed pretty optimistic about their place in life. They not a care in the world. And uh, you tell me what this means. I'm just I'm just a fly. So what does it all mean? I uh, I will thrust my own personal experience into uh, part of this. Did I mention they were having sloppy steaks too? No, they were taking the, they were yeah, taking glasses of water, that. pouring it over these steaks, slopping them up, and just eating up the steaks too. How did you resist uh, not eating? Being oh, I went down there. I, yeah, I took a I took a taste. <laughs> Put it that way. There is someone on the on the Browns coaching staff who, on the first day he was hired, um, came on our network, NFL Network, and spoke with Andrew Siciliano. Um, and I had tweeted out that. Kevin Stefanski, the the coach, the newly hired coach, um, side by side photos did look like a relative or a brother or a cousin of George Clooney. And uh, Siciliano actually asked, "You were that someone?" I I tweeted that out. <laughs> yes, but someone like Andrew asked uh, Stefanski about it, and he got very kind of agitated and slightly nervous. So that was my introduction. I think that's who you're talking about. Though. That's one Thank of the you. guys. Thank you for connecting the dots. Right, yeah, the mezzanine. Mezzan he well, he didn't like that people were calling him mezzanine level Clooney. You know, well, that's true. And who, who was it? Juicy Berry? That's got to be the 
Was I it, have no idea. It's got to be the general manager. Yeah. I think they're feeling themselves. I think they're they're feeling like uh, they're a sleeping giant here. I think they're feeling good about their offseason moves. I think they believe the hype that uh, happened around this organization uh, for a couple off seasons before Baker Mayfield's injury and then play and then this Watson thing all uh, took took a side turn. I think they're feeling themselves. I think they're confident. I think they quietly had one of the better off seasons around. Uh, their holes were in the middle of their defense up front. Um, they had some issues in the secondary. They've added pieces all over the place. The Elijah Moore trade, don't hate that. Um, and I think it all comes down to whether or not Watson can play again. That's fine to look at that's the, the, the people that you observe for watching these highlights from three years ago. <coughs> but I could watch a lot Uh-oh. of uh, what's happening. I don't know. Something in my chest. Was it the steak? <laughs> I'm about 27 days old, so I don't have much time. I just want to say, like, this wrap is it, up, it. I just want to Let's wrap it up. Say thanks for having me on the show. Sure. <laughs> Shout out to Alex Van Pelt too. I thought he was a great, a good great, great addition. <laughs> great guy. I um, yeah, I think they believe that, and the small sample size. We'll see. It was bad last year, but I bet they feel like. They are going to surprise them. The only the only thing that Juicy Berry and uh, Mezzanine Clooney should be worried about is that uh, that eighteen wheeler guy. Yeah, I mean he hasn't always been keeping his his uh, employees around that long. If things don't uh, don't end up in the win column, so I think they got to win. I think they're I think they're under pressure. They got to win, but you might as well enjoy the off season. What was that? I mean they were really enjoying. Yeah, let's bring that up. I got the, that on my uh, off season on my iPhone. What a time. So, one of them is really. What, you know. <laughs> what production? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think I hear Van Pelt in there. Oh, Van Pelt is. He, was, he, he had his tie off and then tied it around his head like that guy at the weddings. Lathered up Freddie Kitchen style. You know that guy at the weddings. Yeah. Like, take the f- tie off. Um, all right. Anything else? Well, I was listening to our that first show I mentioned earlier, and uh, I don't know. I just was I, I heard Wes on it, and we were talking about uh, the Panthers. I tried to think of a Panthers uh, angle today to talk about, but I was like, no, let's just play this on the show because it, it it was talking about Spartanburg, West Virginia, and I always like to have a little bit of uh, ATN history around mm-hmm. the NFL history, which he mentioned uh, on the show. Spartanburg has some historical significance to this podcast. That is the exit I pulled over when I called Greg to accept this job. Wow. I was driving from Cincinnati <laughs> back to Tybee and stopped at the Spartanburg exit to I, tell Greg I was I was leaving there, Roto-World. Is there a shrine there? <laughs> I like that. Dude, just jump it in. Oh, just hearing his voice. Um, awesome. Yeah, I had checked in on a uh, another older episode of, of this segment, and it was uh, – he was he was talking about um, he wanted to be a fly at the Giants facility to see the trow of um, the trow troth Kool Aid and just to see what media members were drinking out of it for Dave Gettleman and his <laughs> era with the Giants. That's all he wanted to be there just to see. And we uh, noticed that uh, Bob Glauber was from Newsday, now retired, was just sitting in a chair watching it. But <laughs> Chris just wanted to know which Giants media member would. Would be bending over for uh, Gettleman. Not the biggest fan of the New York media market, Chris West. No. Or Gettleman, right? I, you like the Hog Molly era. Yeah, I think there was some pro Gettleman in there. Um, Nice. Excellent. Uh, what's up? That's it. 
We'll be uh, back on Thursday um, with a uh, another show. Actually, it's going to be a road show. Mm. It's our annual road show. We're going to be um, by the beach, by the sea, we'll call it. And we're going to have hopefully some special guests um, that will be joining us. And uh, Greg, we maybe we'll touch on your done with a lot of hard work you've been doing over on the dot uh, com. Projected starter series is done. It's done and dusted. But uh, love yeah, doing some like some takeaways from Greg's projected starters. So we'll hit that and it reads like a very juicy uh, gossip column. Often it's wow. a, it's a good, well it's a good read because it's it's not like a typical column or sports writing piece of work. It's just like little nuggets and things that interest you for L- each team. Little nugs. And uh, so that so be ready for that. Looking forward to that as the off season goes along. And uh, this is the Tuesday show. Here also happens to be. Um, our former producer, Justin Gravers, he's starting his uh, first day uh, at a new uh, place and um, just want to, uh, we want to take this time just to wish Justin uh, the best of uh, luck moving forward. And we, we missed having Justin around and he's such a great asset to the show. Wish he was still here, but he's there and he's going to kill it. So we just want to give Gravedigger, a shout out on on the route Mount Rushmore. Um, if you followed our socials, you saw we we had a chance to to have dinner with Justin too uh, just a few weeks ago, and just couldn't thank him enough for the great job uh, that he did in the in the couple years that he was here. One year uh, running the show uh, around the NFL really helped us a, a lot, and uh, we love him as a, as a friend. We love him as a producer too. So uh, good luck over at Fox, and uh, we'll we'll run into him down the line too. Yeah, I thought he um, was so professional from the very start. I think when you cover football, we all learn this that. The first year, you kind of take over something. There's a lot of biorhythms to the season, and it can catch you by surprise. And he was just rarely, if never, caught by surprise. Mm. Um, I thought he offered so much behind the scenes. Um, on air, he became a beloved figure. And I I, I kind of look back to our trip to London, um, which is a time when we all like, get, get closer together as people, um, where I really got to know him more as a person. And there's sort of always been um, a kindness and a gentleness to him. And I will miss him. Yep, one of, person. one of the true nice guys, and you're right. You have to to be um, in that chair. Uh, you have to be able to roll with the punches and adjust and and learn on the fly and uh, fly. Nailed it. And Justin always did that, and he'll continue to do that. And we love you, Justin Graver. How about one last grave digger drop? If we got mm. it there. Love you, Grave Digger. Love you, bud. All right, we'll be back on uh, Thursday, like we said. Roadshow. Until then, you know what you need to do. It's Chris Wesley. who's known to say, Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.